and welcome to the Two Gals and a Mic podcast. I'm your host, Sue Curver, and with me today is Kim Thompson, who is a registered nurse, a mom of four, and a very proud Louisiana State University fan. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sue. Excited to be here. So Kim and I met a few years ago. Actually, we both landed here in Bozeman. And Kim, you and I have done a lot together, right? We have gone hiking. We've gone skiing. We have gone fly fishing, floating. We we have done (laughs) life together. Much like me, you came from the South. You came from Louisiana, which is where you lived for years. As a matter of fact, I think you grew up there. Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Yep. What brought you to Montana? Why here? Went through a divorce and felt that I needed some change in my life. And a doctor that I had worked with in Louisiana, uh, I was her clinic nurse. And then she went full-time into hospice down in Louisiana. I kind of followed her into hospice there. And well, she and her husband moved up here um, to Bozeman. And because she knew my situation, knew I needed to get away from Louisiana um, or wanted to, she thought it would be a good change for me. Uh, She suggested I come up here as a travel nurse. And so I did. I thought, okay, I can do anything for 13 weeks and uh, gave it a try. Fell in love with the place and the people, the mountains, just everything about Montana. It's just a wonderful place. The company I came up here to work for, uh, offered me a permanent position. And so that was, uh, April will be three years. Wow. So they offered you the permanent position after 13 weeks Uh huh. and the permanent position was for what kind of nursing hospice, an RN case manager, you know, Kim, like I've known that you do hospice nursing and I've always really thought how much bravery comes with that. I mean, how much compassion Uh, that comes with caring for terminally ill patients. And I've always wanted to ask you the question, how do you do it? How do you deal with that? If I had a a dollar for every time I masked that, I would be a wealthy woman. It can be very draining, but it is so rewarding. You go into these people's home or wherever home might be. It might be a facility, um, nursing home, um, or just their home. And you're there to keep them comfortable in their last days. Whatever kind of symptoms they're having, whether it be pain, depression, a lot of them just need somebody to talk to. You know, we do what we do. We, we work quickly to do symptom management. You know, you get, you get close to some patients and then when they pass, it's really difficult. And that's, that's the hardest part, losing them. But when you walk through the suffering with them and they're ready to go, it's a little bit easier. You're glad they're no longer suffering. Well, and I was going to ask that question because that's something that I've always wondered. I mean, I know that you work, you just said you work alongside the patients. You also work alongside the families and the loved ones of the patients, but absolutely, I don't, I'd like a little bit more insight. Like how do you manage the stress and how do you keep from the grief and the pain? that accompanies yeah. death. It, it is, it's very hard um, because it, it's kind of like a mom job. You're never really off duty. You know, you're always available to them. And some nurses are better at boundaries and they absolutely will turn that phone off and, you know, not answer. But I know that this is the worst 
time in these people's lives. And uh, even the family, the one that's not dying, you know, they're watching their loved one die. They need my support. And that's what I'm here for. It can be very draining. It definitely can. Yeah, I'm feeling that a lot lately because um, I'm kind of in two roles right now. So do you have any wellness practices in place? that you, that you do? I mean, I've talked to a lot um, of guests on the show and they've done things like, like yoga or meditation or mindfulness or gratitude. Yeah. What do you do? Um, so two things. So for my mind, praying in the car, um, listening to music and I listen to a lot of Christian music that seems to kind of calm me, but also going to the gym and I go early in the morning because by the end of the day, I'm toast, you know, so I just, I just go um, pretty much every day, Monday through Friday, get my workout in. Those two things help keep me balanced. And you yeah. said that you've been doing this for almost three years. I've been here almost three years. I did hospice back home as well. I'm in my sixth year. Did you ever uh -huh. think when you were getting your RN degree and you were going through nursing, did you ever have hospice on your radar? I mean, how in the world... Does someone Absolutely even get not. into this field? You know, I've, I've had a lot of loss in my life. I lost quite a few people very close to me. They were there one day and gone the next. And, it, you know, it just dawned on me probably six months ago that I've never really lost somebody through hospice. I never have been able to say goodbye to someone. I lost my grandmother there one day, gone the next, heart attack. My dad drowned there one day gone the next. I had a cousin I lost, motorcycle accident. All four of my grandparents there one day and gone the next. So hospice is different. The family gets to be there with their loved one and say goodbye. And we kind of talked about that just a little bit about how you also play a role with the family. I mean, do you feel like this is a, a calling for you because you are able to provide that care and that compassion for the family so that they can have that closure that maybe you didn't have with those folks whom you've lost? Yeah. Hospice nurses, we go in and we're there anywhere from 30 minutes to like an hour and a half, whatever it takes to get the symptoms managed. But the real caregiver is the family, the loved one. A lot of the family members, they're anxious. They're like, I'm not a nurse. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And then by the end, they're pros. They know more about their loved one than, than we do. We're there every step of the way to help them walk through that. And then to support them in the end when their loved one is sleeping around the clock and, you know, they know that they're in their last hours. That, that's when I um, have the hardest time is when the loved one is going and almost gone and the family, they're just so grieved and uh, you got to be there. And sometimes you don't have the words, but just being there and giving a hug and telling them they're doing a great job. They didn't ask to be thrown into this position, you know, but they love their loved one, of course, and they want to take care of them. Do you stay in touch with any of the family members whom you've dealt with in the past? Yeah, I've had dinner with the daughter of a patient recently that passed in, uh, we, we keep in touch. We're probably not supposed to do that really, but it's just, it's just natural when you see them, you know, twice a week. And then at the end, every day, sometimes you get close. Well, and I would think that that would be pretty healing for you as well. To see them be able to, you know, move on and yeah, heal and uh, get on with life after they've lost somebody dear to them. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of getting on with life through big change, we've already established that you've been 
in Bozeman almost three. It's been almost three years because you and I got here just around the same time. And mm -hmm. you have been really successful at building a strong community here, a strong network of people. You've got some great friends. Mm -hmm. How did you integrate? How did you make that happen coming across the country to a place that you thought was going to be temporary, which has turned into a much more permanent mm -hmm. thing? And I ask this question because I know at least, you know, speaking for myself, as we get older, it can be a little bit harder to find our networks and find our friends and integrate into communities. So what were your secrets? How'd you do it? I arrived to town on a Saturday and Sunday morning, I got dressed and I went to Journey Church here in Bozeman. And um, I joined a small group, a women's small group. It was a bunch of women around my same age. Some, most were um, divorced or widowed. Maybe one or two were married. Just jumped right in, got to know these ladies. We, you know, we did Bible study, but then we also, you know, went to dinner. We got together and played games all kinds of different activities. It, it just grew from there. I talked to a guest recently and we talked a lot about alignment and like when you're in alignment with purpose and with where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's this just quiet knowingness where everything mm -hmm. starts to fall into place. Do you feel like that's how it was for you when you got here? You know, yeah. Um, I, I really do. I have four grown kids. They're all down south. My mom is down south, my sister, all my family. And I know that I would not have stayed here had it not been for that group of women that God brought into my life. I don't know. I felt like I belonged here. I think though, Sue, I'm at a place in my life, but I do feel like I'm at a crossroads and I don't know what's going to happen there. So I just have to pray about it and see where God leads. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I'm actually doing this study right now and it's called 100 Days to Be Brave. It's a fantastic study. It's just, you know, a, a little reading every day, a little journal prompt every day, really uh, to get you thinking about what it means to be brave. But the author talks a lot about connecting with your passions and doing those things that you haven't had the courage to do yet. So you're talking about being at a crossroads, you're talking about potential change, what are some of those things for you? Some of those things that you haven't had the courage to do yet, but maybe you'd like to explore. So I've always been interested in missions. I've always been interested in medical missions and I, I'm open to that. Travel, but I'm thinking more abroad, but it's scary, you know, but that's something I would love to be involved with. You know, Kim, you're talking about this and I had these aha moments when I lived and worked in Ethiopia as a Peace Corps volunteer, I worked a lot with doctors without borders and they did a lot of really great work. And then the other thing that came to mind as you were talking about that, and I don't know if you've heard of this, is Mercy Ships. And they're, yes. they do fantastic work. So what would it take for you? to push those boundaries a little bit. I don't know. You know, I maybe I should look more into that. And I actually did. I saw an advertisement about Mercy Ships. But as far as getting me to actually do that, I don't know. I don't know what what's holding me back. Fear, probably. I wouldn't have a home, even though, you know, I'm in an apartment 
apartment here it doesn't feel like a home home because it's not a house but it's home and if I do something like that you know that's kind of out of my comfort zone a little bit but but I'm willing if I can I, just point out the obvious that you came from Louisiana to Montana and you didn't have a home <laughs> Was there no fear associated with that transition? Well, a little bit, you know, traveling that far, a single woman, you know, driving that far alone. I guess I just haven't, I haven't found the right opportunity. It's just, it's just scary though. I got to be brave, don't I? Well, yeah, you know, and I think a lot about that. I think a lot about what it takes to be brave and what it takes to say yes to that next right thing, what it takes to be strong in your intuition and your knowingness mm-hmm. and knowing what to do. And that's such an individual decision for everybody. I mean, we can have conversations and collect data points and ask, you know, a million different people what they think, but in the end, it's our journey and our choices. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. I mean, speaking of traveling, you, you do travel, you have traveled a lot for work. You've traveled a lot, even since you've been in Montana. How do you balance, like, how do you balance life with things like dating? I mean, how do you create space and time for the desires of your heart with the continued progression of your career? I had been single since 2017 and had not dated until I moved up here in 21. It's been challenging. It really has. Um, You know, you meet a lot of nice people. You meet some not so nice people. Thankfully, I haven't met a lot that weren't nice, but, you know, just haven't met the right person. You know, I I thought maybe I would meet the person that God had for me and I, you know, might get married and settle down here. And who knows, you know, like I said earlier, I'm at a crossroads and I don't know what God has for me. You know, I know he does have a plan for me. He's got somebody out there for me. We just haven't found each other yet. As far as staying balanced, it's been really challenging lately because I'm worn out. And when I don't have my head in a computer charting, sometimes I just want to just do nothing. And let's, let's uh, talk about that for just a minute, because, you know, I've talked with other nurses. I had another nurse on the show who was an ICU nurse and mm -hmm. she was in that role during COVID. I mean, nurses go through a lot. What you've already talked about as far as your experience and the amount of yourself and your love and your compassion that you have to give on a daily basis. I would think that burnout is a very real thing. It is. Like, how do you walk through that? You know, I think sometimes nurses just, well, I know um, nurses just have to change, change what they're doing, get a different, you know, different role. Some people step away from nursing for a while and uh, just do something totally different, but are even just a different type of nursing. There's so many different jobs with nursing. You know, there's a lot of remote jobs now. So yeah, you just have to make a change. It's a very real thing with burnout, with nurses in every role, every kind of nursing. Here we are just a few days away from bringing in a new year, 2024. Mm -hmm. Everybody sets their intentions. They set their resolutions. You've been talking about change, been talking about being at a crossroads, Do you have any intentions that you want to set for this next trip around the sun? Yeah, I want to be more intentional in my relationships as far as talking to my loved ones on a regular basis. You know, sometimes you're so tired, it's easier to send a text 
but my daughters and I have zoomed. I want to start that back up and then more consistent in the word of God, because I think that's how you grow spiritually. And of course, clean up my diet some more. But I feel like you do really well with your clean eating and your, your nutrition and your exercise. Yeah, I'm pretty good with it. Yeah, but there's always room for improvement, right? So that's tracking towards having it all. A lot of times, I think as women, we get told that we can't have it all. So when you think about family and career and a relationship and balance and communication, what do you think? Do you think it's possible to have it all? I do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work but it's worth it. Uh, anything worth having is a lot of work. I totally agree with that. Okay, Kim, well, one last question. Any wisdom that you might give to our listeners who might be in the place of dealing with loss or the potential loss of a loved one? You know, we're here on this earth for a season. Um, we're all going to die one day. Uh, that doesn't make it any, any easier. I think, you know, no matter how you lose someone, it's difficult because it's hard to watch a loved one suffer, but it's also very difficult to have someone that's there one day and gone the next and you didn't get to say goodbye. I get my strength from the losses that I've had and from walking through all this with people who lose loved ones just because I have hope of where I'm going to be, where my loved ones are. And I hope a lot of the patients I take care of, and I get to have some conversations with them about the afterlife, but I, that gives me a lot of comfort um, knowing that I'm going to see my dad again one day. But, you know, I know there's a whole lot of people that don't believe that way, but they just have to get strength from the memories they have of their loved ones you know, in the time that they had here on this earth, I just know that where I get my strength is from, from God and from um, knowing that I will spend eternity with him and with my loved ones that have passed before me. And that's the thing, right? We just, we don't ever know when the inevitable is going to happen. I think sometimes right. like in your line of work, you deal with people who are transitioning and they do have some time, but much like you, my dad was very quick. He had a heart attack. He was here one day. He was gone the next. My mom mm -hmm. was longer. She had a catastrophic stroke and she was um, in care for nine more months before mm -hmm. she passed. So I've been on both sides of the spectrum, but either way, it's, it's something that we all know we're going to have to deal with at some point. So mm -hmm. you just got to make the best of the time that you have here on earth. Yep. Can I share one other thing? A lot of times we see with families, broken relationships, and that is so hard for me. Um, you know, we're all human. We all have things that rub us the wrong way about maybe our, one of our family members, but life is so precious. You have to work through all of that. But I see, I see people die alone, you know, because they've alienated themselves from um, their loved ones. It hurts so much to see that. And I just think that we need to forgive one another. Life is all about hurts, but it's also about forgiving and moving on and getting past that and showing love because life is so short. We never know when, when we're going to 
going to be gone. Just forgive and love one another and be there for each other, you know? Yeah, you're so right. And I love what you just said about life being really short and just not knowing what's going to happen, you know? And that goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast about leaning into purpose and really figuring out what your next yes is and the next the next right thing. Thanks for that, Kim. And thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. I just have always been so impressed with your kindness and the compassion that you have, not only for the patients that you work with, but also for their families and their loved ones as they navigate through the most difficult thing that we know we are all going to have to face. I'm excited to see where 2024 takes you. And I really wish you the absolute best as you continue to pursue your God-given dreams. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to like the show and subscribe so that you don't miss any of these extraordinary conversations. I'll be back next Friday with another amazing story. So have a great week and I'll see you then.